On today's Money with Friends, medical expenses. Oh boy, how do you pay for them now? Well, you think today's bad. How are you going to handle those expenses in retirement? We'll discuss that on today's Money with Friends, featuring friend and the host of the Beyond Finances podcast, Eric Roberge. Welcome to Money with Friends, coming to you live from my mom's half finished basement outside Detroit, Michigan, where we make the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul Cihai. And I'm Eric Roberge, coming to you live from Boston. <laughs> awesome. We're so happy you're here with us. This, guys, is the Financial News and Commentary Podcast, where we focus on topics that'll help you as a saver, earner, and spender. And we do that six days a week. Today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money. Tiller is what I use to handle my day-to-day transactions and my financial life in a spreadsheet. It's automatically updated every day. Only Tiller Money automatically keeps your finances up to date. So everything's in one place. If you want to try it out for free and also get 20% off your first year with Tiller, head to uh, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for money with friends. Well, I'm so happy today because this guy who is uh, hanging out with us today, financial advisor calls him one of the top 10 financial advisors to watch. Investopedia called him one of the top 100 financial advisors in the USA. But today, I'm sure he's grabbing the biggest award of his life. I'm sure. Our thought leader, again, on on Money with Friends, good friend Eric Roberts. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm going to put that plaque, Money with Friends, guest, right behind me so I have it next time. That's right. Probably across the top. Like when you meet people for the first time, you're going to go, do you know who I am? Right. Here's a tattoo. (laughs) Right. So so you have a few things. Number one, congratulations on all the awards for your practice, but you're a financial planner. I am. CFP. Through and through. And then uh, you also blog at Beyond Your Hammock, which is a fantastic name for a blog. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, do that. Yeah, and, and and you write you write it. How many different places do you write at? Because I I feel like I see you all over the place, Eric. Yeah, no, we we get out there pretty good. Um, Kiplinger, Business Insider, Money. Um, there's some other Forbes. Um, just wherever we can get out there and get to educate more people about real money habits. You and I were talking about that before we hit record today. I'm glad you're out there because there's a lot of like half-truths online, I feel. There's so much noise. It's just a bunch of noise is really what it comes down to. Where's the signal is the question. Yeah. And and then as if that's not enough stuff, you and you and your co-host Kaylee, you guys created a podcast, which is very awesome and very different than a lot of speaking of noise, a lot of the noise in the financial podcast. Tell everybody about the Beyond Finances podcast. Yeah, that was that came about because we were writing so much and we had some good content, but we realized that there are a lot of people that don't have time to read, so they need to listen. So we took that those behind the scenes conversations that we have with our own money. And we put it to life on this podcast. So it's just an authentic way to hear what we talk about in our own basement, you know, and just to see what, <laughs> what we do. Well, and it is fun. And I feel like I'm a fly on the wall as you guys are talking about this stuff. Very intimate conversations. Uh, let's have our own intimate conversation right now. You, you brought to the table a piece today about uh, an often overlooked way to prep for your retirement medical expenses. Why did you choose this piece? I think it's one of the most confusing 
accounts, the, the health savings account is most confusing because people think it's a flexible spending account and it's a use it or lose it thing and it's not. So we had to talk about why that could be important for everybody now yeah. and in the future. Awesome. Let's dive into it and to kick it off, let's see which one of our friends is going to help us with today's show. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. The money talking party starts now. It's time for Money with Friends. Hey, Joe, what's the big idea? All right, Eric, uh, this piece comes to us from Money. Uh, it is written by, let's see who it's written by. It's written by Carrie Ann Renzulli. And if you don't mind, sir, do the honors. Let's kick this off. Yeah, no problem. So she says, fall is open enrollment season and hidden in the fine print of your health insurance options may be an account that can help you save one of the biggest expenses you'll face in retirement, medical costs. Known as a health savings account, this tool offered in combination with high deductible health insurance plans is triple tax exempt. That means that it allows you to make tax deductible contributions, accrue tax free earnings and make tax free withdrawals for qualified medical expenses. If you're over age 65, you can use the funds for any non-medical reason without incurring the 20% penalty younger users would have, uh, though you'll still get have to pay income taxes on that money that comes out. With healthcare costs rising more than twice as quickly as the rate of inflation and a 65-year-old couple retiring this year projected to spend $285,000 wow. in medical expenses through their retirement, not using an HSA could be costly, a costly missed opportunity, especially if you don't have to fund it yourself. Yet more than half of the people that are eligible to use these things don't do it. A survey conducted by benefits advisory firm Willis Towers Watson last year found that it had little to do with the mechanics of opening, using or maintaining the account. Rather, 57% of workers who were offered the HSA didn't enroll because they didn't see the benefit or understand HSAs, the survey found, which is which is crazy to me. Yeah, me there's, a, there's a lack of understanding about HSAs, even among financially astute people, says David Spire, managing director of benefits accounts at Williams Towers Watson. They don't know about its triple tax advantage and have become so accustomed to the flexible spending accounts that they think HSAs work the same way and they have to use the money in the account or lose it. This isn't the case. The funds in your HSA never expire. You can use funds from HSA to pay medical expenses, Medicare premiums, um, and other qualifying expenses along the way. So this is it's an incredible account. Yeah. Uh, uh, who can open an HSA? We'll just dig into this for just a little bit, and then uh, we will have a link to this on our uh, on my Twitter feed, Average Show Money. But who can open an HSA? The first thing you need to check is whether your health insurance plan can be paired with an HSA. For most of us, this step will be pretty obvious. It's high deductible health insurance plans that offer HSAs usually include it in the plan's name. But if it's unclear or you're uncertain, call your insurer and ask. Don't try and make that determination on your own, advises Roy Ramthun, president and founder of HSA Consulting Services. Plans that qualify must offer a minimum annual deductible of $1,350 for individuals or $2,700 for families, as well as a maximum annual deductible of $6,750 for individuals and $13,500 for families, according to the IRS. High deductible plans typically come with lower monthly premiums than standard deductible plans. The trade-off? 
is that you're on the hook for more of your medical expenses since you have to clear a higher deductible before your insurance kicks in and starts to cover them. HSAs help ease that burden through their triple tax benefit. And thanks to a rule change the IRS announced this summer, people with chronic conditions can have more of their expenses met before they reach their high deductible. A range of medical services and prescription drugs for chronic conditions like beta blockers for congestive heart failure and insulin for diabetes have been added to the list of preventative care benefits that can be provided by high deductible plans before the deductible. Big thing here, you can't have any other health insurance plan like a PPO or an HMO uh, be enrolled in Medicare or be claimed as a dependent on somebody else's tax return if you want to open an HSA. Those on high deductible health plans with a flexible spending account or health reimbursement arrangement typically also can't contribute to an HSA either. It's important you verify your eligibility and open an HSA as soon as you enroll in a qualifying high deductible plan as any medical expenses you incur before opening that account will not be reimbursable even if you were on an eligible health insurance plan at the time, says Paul Fronston, uh, director of the Employee Benefit Research Institute's Health Research and Education Program. Uh, Fronston still recommends going ahead and opening an HSA even if you don't think you have the money free to contribute to another savings account. I think we can leave it there. There's a lot to know. I think the big news here, Eric, is people are not not getting into HSAs. There's a ton to know about it. And a lot of the time we have misinformation because, as you said earlier, we confuse it with other plans like the FSA. Right. I mean, I think the the FSA is a scary one because the money you put into the FSA, if you don't actually use it in that year and maybe a few months into the next year, you lose it completely. So it's like you spent the money even though you didn't have to. And then if you think, well, HSA is the same way and I contribute to that and I lose it, you're missing the entire benefit of this HSA plan, which means money is there for emergencies, for medical. It's there to save on taxes. It's there to grow for your retirement medical costs, which is the ultimate goal here for the HSA. This is this is the big aha, I think. You know, they, they talked a few times. They kept using this triple tax exempt a wording. The fact that there's no tax going in, no tax coming out. You've got these three different different pieces. Does this make this a better place to save actually than your 401k at work? It's an interesting question because when you look at the priority of things, I think the 401k with the up to the matching contribution is going to be your best bet because that's 100% return on your money because the employer contributes that same amount to your plan. But a lot of people will say the next thing you should contribute to is the HSA because of that tax savings. And you can also invest that money for the future, then go back to your 401k and contribute more. Well, that's that brings up some questions. We're, we're getting a lot of shocker, by the way, a lot of discussion on this live while we make the show. By the way, if you want to hang out with us while we make the podcast, head to uh, facebook.com forward slash I stack Benjamins. That's our stacking Benjamins uh, Facebook page. But but Ron talks says uh, that he's so he says, I'm so lucky I can save the max and usually pay for medical costs out of pocket. I wanted to ask you about this because it seems like what Ron's onto here might be a good idea for people. Like if you can afford to pay it out of pocket and invest that money in an HSA, then your earnings in retirement are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Am I right there or is there some danger in that? No, I think if you have the the cash flow power to be able to save and also pay for your own medical expenses out of pocket because they're not significantly burdening you, then I think it's a good move because you get that compound effect. Otherwise, otherwise you don't. 
Yeah. I mean, it just seems like, holy cow, if you take, and I've seen people, by the way, that say my HSA doesn't have investments inside it. My understanding then, Eric, is if your HSA doesn't have investments inside it, you can roll some of that money over to a a different account that does maybe with Fidelity or somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I think the one thing about HSAs that are different than say a, a normal employer retirement account is that you don't have to use the employer's plan for the HSA. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to that. And you know, that if, if you get a matching contribution from your employer and you don't use their plan, you're not going to get the match. But if you're looking at it as strictly, my plan doesn't have investments and another one might, you can move that elsewhere to get access to investments. Anything from mutual funds, um, really, it's mutual funds, but yeah. Uh, so it really works well. Yeah. My way I've heard people talk about doing that is leave enough money in that plan to get the match and go through the match and maybe let it sit there if you need it for the first year for some out-of-pocket expense. And if not, then roll the excess over. Do you like that that thought process? Yeah. I mean, I, I do like simplicity. So right. when you start to talk about this, there's a little bit more complication. People tend to say, well, I'm not going to do it then. Well, if you're not going to do it, just use the employer plan. Right. But if you have the ability to, and you can stick with that process of rolling it out, then yes, it's a very good option to do. Historically, back in the day, I remember when HSAs first came out, we talk about this is fantastic for super healthy people. And then as the investment options came about, uh, we started talking about it differently. And Kimberly actually is hanging out with us and she brings this up, Eric. She says, can we talk about how HSAs can have a lower out-of-pocket max? It's not just for super healthy families. I don't hear about that as much in HSA talks. She said, we met our max in July. I, I think this idea that it's just for self, super healthy families, I'm, I'm with Kimberly. It's, it, it's not always the case. Well, that's that's a very good point. And I think you can't just assume before doing the research and doing the analysis. So I have a spreadsheet that I use to compare plan to plan, and I compare the premiums to see what's the difference there, because a lot of times high deductible plans will have a lower premium. Um, they might have a higher deductible. I want to compare that too. But then there's the out-of-pocket max. And a lot of times we do assume that the H, the high deductible plan would have a higher out-of-pocket max, but sometimes, not always, it doesn't. So worst case scenario, you'd be better off in the high deductible plan than the other plan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ron talks about, uh, asks the question, but will I lose it by investing? The stock market is safe until it's not. Tinfoil hat on. Well, (laughs) I think if you need the money over the the short term, Ron, investing that money is probably a bad idea. But do you like the fact that you can invest your HSA, Eric? that's, That's the golden goose right there because, yes, we don't want it. For short-term money, if you need it or could need it in the short-term, don't invest it because you could lose that money over the short-term. But long-term, 10-plus years, you have a really good chance, no guarantees here, but really good chance you're going to make some money off of that money, and that's going to really help you down the road with that compounding. Well, you're probably not out there recommending to your clients that they invest in a single stock with their HSA either. No, no, mutual funds. I mean, just like anything else, a diversified account, which means global diversification, a right mix of stocks and bonds and countries uh, is the way to go there. And you can really access that all together with, with simple funds. I mean, like two or three yeah. funds could probably get you access to all of that. It doesn't have to be that complex. Yeah. And you think about that two or three different funds. I mean, how diversified are you just there? You've got several hundred different companies you're invested in. You know what the amazing thing is? People think that you need more funds to be more sophisticated or complex. 
But when you shine an X-ray light on what's going on inside those funds, you're invested in tens of thousands of companies potentially across the globe and just one fund. That is all you need sometimes. Right. No, it's, it's funny how it doesn't have to be that complicated. And I feel like there's a lot of people on Wall Street who want you to think it's super complicated. Yeah, they're the best. They're the smartest. <laughs> That's right, right. In just a second, Eric and I are going to have our big takeaway from today's piece. But while you're thinking about your takeaway, Eric, uh, I'm going to talk for a second about Tiller. I will, uh, I will um, uh, uh, give you just a second here, all right, to get your thoughts together. Tiller money I use to manage my money because of the fact it's a spreadsheet. I'm not the type of person who's usually a spreadsheet person. I know I'm a money geek, but I'm a little different that way. I move so quickly that I just don't want to take the time to put together a spreadsheet that has 15 different panels. I won't look at them all. I won't pay attention to them. I want it very simple. Well, actually, the reason I like Tiller is because it can be simple and different than a lot of apps that I've used in the past. Maybe like Mint is an example. I love Mint. I think Mint's fantastic, but there's a few things about Mint I don't like. The problem is I can't change it. With Tiller, if I don't like it, you know what? Because it's spreadsheet-based, I can change it. And not only are there different templates I can use that I can build from, I can change the template to make it fix what I want. This year, they're making it even more robust. If you're somebody that loves spreadsheets, you can take their 2019 Spreadsheet Builders Challenge and maybe make some money that way too. So you can have some fun, make some money, and also make Tiller even better or more like things that other people will like. Uh, for more on that and to save 20% off your first year, also you can kick the tires for 30 days for free, head to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. And by the way, if you put the MWF on, that's how you get the uh, the 20% free, and it also tells them that we sent you. And they send us a thank you, by the way, for sending you uh, their way. So thanks to everybody who's used our link. Helps you and helps us. All right. I stalled long enough, Eric. I kept them at bay long enough, but people want to know what's your big takeaway from this piece? Well, the big takeaway is that HSAs are not something to ignore. They're not FSAs. They're not flexible spending accounts. They are something that you can keep your money in for the long term. So if you have that option at work, you should do your due diligence, certainly, certainly during an open enrollment now, which is usually now, but for most people, to compare your regular plan to the high deductible plan to see if you can actually take advantage of this incredible three triple tax advantage HSA program and invest that money for the future. Yeah, I, the, the, I love that takeaway, which leads to mine, which is only an offshoot, frankly, of, of yours, because my takeaway was very similar, is that I think a lot of people, especially if you've invested for a while, you have the way you've always done things, right? And it's funny when people then are presented with new information, like the HSA might not work the way you think it does. You, th- you have these preconceived ideas. It's very difficult to break away from those. But when you do, often you find that there are better opportunities out there than you have previously thought that there were. And certainly for me, I was a guy who thought that in the early days of HSAs that they were only for super healthy families. Not at all the case, as we talked about today. Uh, don't get locked into your preconceived ideas about how things work and you can possibly uh, not only widen your horizons, but make your financial future better than you thought that it was. So that's, that's my offshoot. I think your takeaway far better though, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell everybody what's coming up on the beyond finances podcast with you and Kaylee. Cause as we were talking about earlier, it's a lot of fun. Oh man. 
Oh, it was great. I think the other day I was like, Kaylee, because this is how it goes. We're in the kitchen. And I'm like, Kaylee, I think I have a good idea for the next podcast. Like, what about um, priority creep? You hear about this this lifestyle creep. How about priority creep? Because people have all these different goals that they have and they throw them all in the bucket. And then they eventually look back and they say, this bucket is full of these goals, but half of them don't make any sense anymore. So we talk about just how to revamp your goals and understand your priorities and, and really build something that you are excited about to go after in your financial planning. I think it's a great day to use the word creep, by the way, and th- this coming out at Halloween and all. Like if yeah. there's anything scary in your finances, it's priority creep. <laughs> right. That should be my costume. That, that be a priority be. creep. <laughs> I am the priority creep. Right. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Everybody who hung out with us live today on uh, Facebook, everybody listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Money with Friends on behalf of Eric Robert, who's, by the way, is going to be back with us tomorrow. We'll see you again next time here on Money with Friends. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2019. Taylor Eichenberg engineered this show and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of our friends who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or any other video or podcast without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.